Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, crossroads appear throughout our lives. Some are created by particular moments and others we go searching for. And that decision on which way to turn is more challenging at some points than others. But it is that willingness and determination to change that enables us to grow. My guest today, Will Ainsworth, has made some big, positive and important changes in his life. After watching his father die by the bottle and realizing he was potentially walking a similar path, Will broke this vicious family cycle right before his first son was born. This positive change rippled throughout his entire life. In this episode, we discuss knowing your purpose, being forced to make a change, breaking habits by replacing them with better ones, and working on being optimistic. I admire Will for his openness and rawness on quite a personal and sensitive topic, and I love the life that he has designed for himself and his family. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Will Ainsworth. Hi, Will. How are you? Very well, Mike. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm really well. And uh, whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? Um, Unlike most of your other podcast attendees, I'm sitting in my office in uh, little old Geelong, Victoria. Oh, nice. The home of the cats. Exactly right. Yes. Oh, happy days. Nice one, mate. Well, I wanted to get you on the podcast on the podcast today. I can't even I can't even say that word. But I wanted to get you on the podcast today as you've made some big changes in your life over the past few years in a real positive way. Yes. But before we I guess go into those changes and the benefits that they've made to your life, there's a bit of a backstory that I think needs to be told and I'm I'm not yep. quite sure how far back you want to go, but can yeah. you describe to me how life was for you? Sure. Um, yeah, I could probably go on um, for a long, long time, but I'll try and make it as, uh, as short as possible. I'm um, a real estate agent and have been for about 11 years now. Um, and when I first got into the industry, uh, I was told that uh, I think the words were, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So I took that as gospel and just worked my absolute butt off for seven days a week, um, week after week. Uh, for about five or six years, um, and then got to the point where I um, I uh, met my partner and uh, we got engaged, and we decided to move up to Melbourne to give it a crack uh, at, in the big smoke, so to speak. And um, we started working together. Um, she was working as my assistant um, when working at a real estate firm up there, and once again, I just took the adage that I'll work as hard as I can and make a name for myself and. Um, that was all going swimmingly until I got a phone call uh, one day from my mum saying that my dad had suddenly passed away, um, uh, which was, you know, obviously rocked my world. And I remember, like it was yesterday, the feeling that it gave me, um, you know, I, could, I actually lost all control of my legs and, and just, I wouldn't say fell over, but pretty much stumbled to the ground. And um, that was kind of the start of the end for me um, because... Obviously, with the death of a, a family member um, comes a lot of um, 
sad times and uh, a lot of reflection. And um, but I think at the same time it brought a lot of um, uh, well, I, I guess I, I think I was working up to some serious depression, which this really brought it to the the fore. Um, so a couple of weeks after Dad passed away, um, it was kind of like, well, everyone back to normal life. Um, but it just didn't feel that way for me. Uh, I I just couldn't grasp the fact that my dad had passed away and then a couple of weeks later I was meant to be okay about it and get back into my normal life. So, But who was I to know it had never happened to me, so I just started going back to work and working my seven days a week. Um, but then one day um, some great news came that my wife was pregnant um, which was obviously very exciting, uh, having our first child. Um, but it just, it was, it was kind of bittersweet because I was over the moon about it, but I still wasn't, um, I wasn't, hadn't grieved um, for my dad's passing. And um, so long story short, even though it's been long, um, I fell into this massive hole of depression and just had to pack up shop with work because I just couldn't. I couldn't face it anymore. So we decided to um, pull a pin on Melbourne and we moved back to Geelong um, pretty suddenly. And for the next eight months while my wife was pregnant, I pretty much sat on the couch with full-blown depression, growing this horrible orange beard. Um, and uh, it was meant to be, you know, one of the best chapters of our lives, but it was quite possibly the worst chapter of my life. So um, it was a pretty... You know, pretty surreal feeling, but you know, basically, I went and got some um, some counselling uh, um, and got onto some medication, and slowly but surely picked my life back up, um, and to the point where I thought I was ready to enter the workforce. But um, at the time, I was on income uh, protection, which was very fortunate for us as a family because we had some big expenses coming up, um, and the the thing with that is when you go back into the workplace with income protection, they want to make sure that when you go back to work, you stay at work um, so that they don't have to pay you out exorbitant amounts of money again. So in order for me to enter the workplace, I had to sit down with one of their people and, and my new workplace and work out a strategy to enter the workplace. But the the words, the harder you work, the luckier you get, kept on resounding in my mind. And I thought, well, how am I going to do part-time real estate um, and be successful at it? Because I've kind of got this personality that whatever I do, um, I have to be the best, mm. um, which is kind of one of the reasons I got depression in the first place, um, being a bit of a perfectionist. So I had to change my whole mindset and my whole model of life because I had to go back to work two days a week um, and maintain a, a real estate profession that I'd been working at seven days a week um, prior to going on leave for depression. So I had to work out some serious strategies uh, to get involved in that. And so, so kind of on that, Will, like in a sense, you know, when you know there are so many things that you touched on that we'll probably go back to, to some of them, but like with this, you're kind of talking about this change now. And, and it was kind of like if someone said to you, you need to be a real estate agent in two days. Mm. 
it, you'd just laugh because you'd go, well, I've been doing that seven days a week. I can't do the same amount of work in two days, except because of the situation that you were in, there was an element that you were forced to change and to kind of force, forced to make these Mm. um, amendments to your life and doing them successfully. Correct. Um, When you say force, that is the word or the key word there because I definitely did it kicking and screaming. Um, It it wasn't something that I found easy to do. Um, And to be honest, I still don't. It's a struggle every day because every day that goes by, you quite literally get a phone call, can you do this, can you do that, and I have to say no. Um, And learning to say no was probably the most important component out of all of it um, other than uh, being able to delegate work because as I said, to be able to do two days or three days of work in seven, you quite simply need help to do that. So um, I started employing people around me to do bits and pieces that um, are equally as important in any job, but I could delegate them and I got um, professionals in all aspects such as admin and marketing and um, prospecting, all that sort of stuff, which I won't go into because it's not a real estate um, seminar. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I had to I had to delegate and and as I said, learn to say no, which today to date is one of the most important um, lessons I've learned because in the past it was yes, 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 yes. What do, where do you need me? What do I need to do? And I just do it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think sometimes we all love the idea of delegating, but then there's that notion of losing control but from the sounds of it your delegation obviously returned you with time which is which is a big thing Mm. in my beliefs well with time um you know something that we all only have the same amount of as um as you know so what was really um crucial at that time as well was obviously i'd have a i had a baby so it wasn't just my wife and I anymore. We had we had a family now, and I had to. I shouldn't say had to. It was what I wanted to do. But I now had a child in this world that I wanted to have um, be a part of. And if I went back to the seven days a week, I just I just wouldn't be a father, and um, I wouldn't be a husband, and it would just be what would be the point. Um, and I've listened to pretty much all the podcasts you've done in the past, and the resounding. Um, similarities are that everyone's trying to uh, have a, a happy medium in life with with work whilst you know I know most of them travel and which I have done a bit of but I, I'm not you know similar to a lot of people you have on here um, so I needed to maintain family life as well as work yeah uh, well I think you were, we're all trying to get as much as that family life as possible but there mm. were there were some other I guess big changes that you you've made in your life and I guess one of them was just before the birth of your first son when you decided to give up drinking. Yeah. Um talk me through that process. Yep. Um well my I didn't um my dad was an alcoholic um and he and lots of um our family are so it's pretty prevalent in our family. Um and that's my father died um, without going into gruesome detail. He died through alcohol, um, so it was pretty. It was a real slap in the face for me that my father was an alcoholic. Growing up as an alcoholic with an alcoholic father, 
I just had a child, a boy, and to me it just was so obvious that I needed to break this trend of how my family had been over the previous generations. So I I love to drink like I shouldn't say like most people because that's something alcoholics say. Um, I love to drink with my friends and I used to drink a lot and that was my way of escaping things because I'd get home from a, a day of work and I'd just drink to the point where I'd not pass out but, you know, it's time to go to bed and I'd get up with a hangover and do it again. And it just was – there was just this real resounding um, – truth that I needed to give up drinking because I as I said before I'm an all or nothing person and when I drink it's all and when I don't there's nothing there so I had to give up um, drinking and that was one of the hardest things I've ever done um, which may sound really silly but for someone who that's all I've ever known since I was 16, 17, 18 to at the time I was 30 10 years I'd built friendships around drinking at pubs and um, football clubs and and so it wasn't just giving up drinking itself it it actually it came with giving up um, certain friends that I thought were friends but really they were just people that I had associations with regarding drinking so bit by bit when I gave up drinking they sort of started to exit my life and people that had similar beliefs to me um, when I started to get back into the health and fitness um, I started to make friends in that industry um, and which I still have today. So, yeah, giving up drinking was a really, really difficult process. Yeah, and you, you talk about going into health and fitness as mm. well and one change often leads to another change which often leads to another change. So talk me through some, I guess, of those other changes and the benefits that mm. were – that flow-on effect, that ripple effect yep. of one change? Well, um, it wasn't just a matter of waking up one day and saying I'm giving up drinking because um, that, that's, for someone like me, that was next to impossible. You know, it's like someone quitting smoking. You, it takes you numerous time, attempts and help. And um, so with this ongoing counselling, um, I was given some certain ways of um, or means of, trying to um, get my, my mindset right before I gave up drinking. And that was things like uh, meditation, um, which I still do today, um, and, and getting back into um, – I mean, I used to play football and um, I've done a lot of running. So I've been always been quite a fit person, um, but that was more important than ever because, as most people know, when you when you do exercise, it releases the endorphins and, and gives you a bit of a, um, a spike in your mental attitude. So that was something I had to be really conscious of. But on the flip side, when you're depressed, you don't want to do it. So that came with its own challenges. But, um, yeah, so giving up drinking, I, um, I started meditating um, and I would – get into daily habits such as minor things like when I would get to, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon when usually I would probably crack a stubby, uh, it would be making a green tea for myself, um, just breaking one habit and adding another one into my life, which funnily enough now when I get home, I look forward to a green tea So rather than a green can. So they're, they're just little differences that I made in my life, which uh, they still like you know, daily habits for me. Yeah. And... Your, the passing of your dad 
was mm. just recently on six years, um, yeah. the 1st of February, if I'm correct. You are. Him looking back at you or looking down at you now, what what do you think the the big changes that he would see? Obviously, we're talking about, at mm. the moment, these these actions that you've done. But when we actually kind of talk into that that deeper personality and that deeper ethos of of your soul, mm. what what are those big changes that that he would see? Um, you're good at making people cry on this podcast, aren't you? <laughs> um, um, look, I, I do think about that quite often about how proud he uh, would be of me, and you know. T- it's something that probably sounds like it's a bit of a um, bit of arrogance there, but I think he would be proud of me because I, um, you know, he was a very successful man. He was, you know, he was captain of the Geelong Football Club. He was a, a solicitor, quite a high-profile solicitor in my town. So a lot of people knew him, and he was quite—I wouldn't say famous, but he was certainly uh, a well-known identity. And um, I would say that he would be very proud of the fact that I. Have probably done what he wanted to do. Um, I would say he, you know, he struggled with the, the bottle, you know, obviously until the day he died, and he didn't, he couldn't overcome that. Um, and I don't know that I am or you know, an alcoholic. I'm not too sure, but um, I know that I really did like drinking, so it was a um, difficult thing to give up. But he would be proud of me as a father. Um, I think he'd be very proud of my profession, even though I'm a real estate agent, which. You know, he was a solicitor and I'm a real estate agent. They're sort of polar opposites. Um, I think he would be really proud of my work ethic, but the fact that I – he was a massive family man. Um, he was a very generous man and he gave a lot of his time to other people but also a lot of time to his family and I think that's what he'd be more proud of than anything is the fact that I've – I I take days off. I, you know, I work five days a week now. Although I'm in the office on a Friday, I don't work Fridays. I've only come in to do this podcast because if I did it at home, you'd just hear boys screaming in the background. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think he would look down and um, and be really proud of where I am in my life. But um, I'm definitely not perfect by by any means, and you know, there's a lot of change and growth for me as well. But that's something I'm really looking forward to. And and you spoke then about his struggle to give up and and even though it's something that he wanted to do but I guess as a broader question there's so many people that do want to create change in their life whether that be to lose weight or to find more time with their family or um, you know a whole bunch of other things yeah what do you think of those things that really hold people back and and I guess how did how did you push through it do you know yeah, yeah, I, I completely understand that. I get asked that question quite a lot because I, um, I do do talks occasionally about what we're talking about now um, for the reason of the question you asked me. And it, I guess it's just about your why. Like what's your reason for it? Is it important enough? Um, and, and what's it going to achieve for you in life? And for me, it was a pretty, even though it was difficult, it was a very easy decision to make because I knew that was the only decision um, and I could forecast if I didn't make that decision where my life would be now and it's definitely not doing what I'm doing right now or who, who I'm with or the family that I've got. So um, 
if you look yourself in the mirror, I know it's cliche, but and it's important enough to you, then you'll make the change. But if it's not, then quite simply you won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. If you don't want to make the change enough, then clearly it's not important enough to you. And I don't begrudge anyone for that. But And sometimes it takes more than one attempt. Um, it didn't for me. I gave up and, and I still haven't had a drink to date. Um, occasionally my wife puts up some alcohol in a trifle, so that's probably um, my only one thing. But, um, yeah, as I said, your why needs to be there and you need to look at your life and say what's more important. Is it being skinny or is it being you know, not drinking or is it not smoking or is it, I shouldn't say being skinny, but not, you know, not being overweight. Yeah, healthy. Um, all those things, as I said, if we all have different amounts of willpower, I guess, um, and you also need help. Um, I didn't just decide to do it and just do it on my own. I had counselling. I spoke to people. Um, I, I, you know, did uh, listen to audio books, just spoke to people that had done it before me, um, all those things that certainly help you along the way. Yeah, I think that putting your hand up for help is still um, difficult for yeah. a lot. There's still a little bit of kind of taboo around that. But then once you start talking to other people, there's um, a lot of people that have done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But kind of yeah. cha- changing tact here a, a little bit and a, kind of a bit of a random question, but what has fatherhood taught you? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm very passionate about parents because I believe if parents can adapt and change, then that overflows to their, to their kids. And, and th- that's, I, in my mind, the, yeah. the end goal of everything. Um, yeah. But what has fatherhood taught you? And, and fatherhood came to your life at that kind of moment whilst all these big changes were, were happening. I guess, in a sense, fatherhood and being that family guy was your why and, and your driver. But what has been some of the, the big lessons that you've learnt with, father, with fatherhood? Um, that as, as a father, we're always learning and we make mistakes. Um, by no means am I the perfect father and I'm, I don't, I think I'll die as an imperfect father. But for me, I mean, currently I'm reading a book on, um, you know, being a better parent because to me, you should learn from people who have done it before you, but also use your instincts, um, and combine those. And that is, probably a good recipe for being a decent father, but being giving up drinking, um, I love the fact that my boys have never seen me with a hangover um, and I can wake up every morning with the same clear head and and be highly energetic um, for them and not, you know, mope around and, um, and be fatigued and under the weather and they don't understand why. So the fact that I've got a constant... Um, with my boys is a is a big deal to me. Um, that's pretty much it as far as fatherhood is concerned. I mean, I've been a father for five years now. I've got two boys, three and a half and five, um, and thinking about a third. So you know, stay tuned. But um, no, I completely agree with, with that, Will. But you, you're talking here as well about this. Uh, this kind of a sense of optimism. With, with where, where you going? Has that always been part of your personality, or has that been 
brought on by these changes or maybe amplified by these changes? Um, I'm funnily enough, I wouldn't say that I'm naturally a positive person. Um, and if you ask my wife, she would agree with that. It actually takes a lot of effort for me to be constantly positive and by I have my downtime don't get me wrong I you know when I get home I love to fall asleep on the couch in the afternoon I'm a big advocate of an afternoon nap but when I'm up I'm about and um, I I read a lot of books I listen to a lot of podcasts I you know typical um, positive person I don't listen to the radio I listen to iTunes and podcasts in the car so that they're constantly um, you know keeping me up and so it doesn't come naturally. I'm not one of those people that you just run into and, um, well, you might think that, but it's not something I have to work on it daily um, with my meditation and making sure that I've got a clear mind and being in a very fast-paced and stressful industry, I have to be positive. Otherwise, the, the job just gets on top of you. So um, plus I've got a lot of um, staff that, you have to, uh, and I don't want to get back into the professional kind of thing, but a lot of staff that look up to me and, and think that I'm a very positive person so I don't have to maintain that um, in front of them. And then the, the hardest part is getting home and maintaining that as well. So I've found definitely early on, and I'm not perfect at it now, but you'd be positive you know, for eight hours of the work day and then get home and the one bunch of people that you really should be your best for which is your family often I would let myself down and and they would you know cop the the grief that I've had all day um, and to me that's something I continue to work on daily and as I said I'm not perfect at it at all far from it but I but you're aware of it yeah and I think that's that is a big thing so I, that would lead me to another question do, you know how do you give yourself time or or to be aware of these things to actually think about these things because there'd be a lot of people that that wouldn't but there's obviously some some growth and development through this awareness yeah well it's it comes back to um the meditation that i do and and the mindfulness um that i try and create so for those of you who you know know and i'm i'm only a novice um meditator but it's, it teaches you mindfulness, so being aware of the here and now and what's going on um, in your mind right now uh, as opposed to thinking about what happened five minutes ago or thinking about what's going to happen in five minutes. None of those are really that important. It's what's going on right now. So I'm constantly assessing in my mind um, how, my, uh, how my persona is and if I start to feel negative um, emotions come in not fighting against those but being aware of them and, and letting them come in and understand what they're about um, and then trying to change those but I, I also know that emotions come in all shapes and sizes and some are positive and some are negative and we're human beings we all have negative emotions it's not about getting rid of those it's about accepting them and understanding them and trying to appreciate them and then moving on from them um to me that's once again that's a um that's something i work on daily mm. it's a, and, and i think that's a, a big oh, a, 
a big lesson as well that with these changes that you've had in your life, it's not those changes happened on one day and then everything was different. There's this continuous um, adding to that to that change pool and to that benefit and things like that. Yeah. Um, it actually reminded me, I just watched this movie with Andy the other day called Inside Out. Um, I don't know whether you've watched that with your boys, but it, it's a kid's film. And it's, yeah, I think it was on the movie probably a couple of years ago, but it's all about the emotions in this little girl's head. Um, you know, joy, sadness, anger, yeah. fear, um, and yeah. how, you know, joy, the happiness was always trying to protect this little girl and always have happy moments, but it was actually, you know, the sadness emotions that allowed joy to happen and, and all this kind of stuff. And it really, it was, I think Inga and I actually had a debrief after it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, not, it's a great film. Um, well, the first half of it, cause I don't know about, um, uh, Andy, but we get through probably a third or a half of most movie and movies and then, um, they're onto something else. So I watch the first half of most movies a lot and then don't even see the second half. But yeah, I've, I have watched it and you're exactly right. It, it, it's really quite, um, resounding, isn't it? In, yeah. in, in its story. But speaking of stories, I would love for you to tell me the story about how you found a $50 note. <laughs> I, um, I was just walking down the street um, in, in town where I work and I, I just stumbled upon um, a $50 note in the gutter. And typical of most people, I looked around to see if someone had dropped it and there wasn't really anyone around. So... I picked it up and put it in my pocket and then for the next couple of hours I thought, it's not my $50. Um, I don't know what to do with this $50 and, you know, I, I just didn't, I was really torn with do I just, you know, put it in my pocket and just then move on to the next chapter of my life or do I do something about it? So I just put a post on Facebook and said I found this $50 Um anyone got any good ideas on what I should do with it and it uh, it went nuts that day I just had every so many of my friends commenting about um, donate it to this charity or that charity or um, go to the supermarket and the person behind you pay for their shopping um, or take your wife out for dinner and which um, she liked on Facebook and um, yeah there are all these different options which um, I then just I was blown away with the amount of um, comments I had, so I ended up just randomly choosing one, and it was for the um, World Protection of Animal Society. So we've already got a, um, a an account set up with them, so we we donated fifty dollars to them, and um, yeah, so that's that's the story of the fifty dollar note. Yeah, and it's I I remember when I was flicking through your Facebook, and uh, I just saw that and I thought that is such a great idea, and. I think something that just goes to show the connection that you have outside of yourself and with that wider community. Um, but yeah, I remember just reading that and going, mate, that is such a great idea. And, you know, you and I have spoken offline about this, about how we can, you know, start a Facebook page or something. So when people find money, they can, you know, come to this page and, and, Yes, the, the the group kind of you know um, decides where it should go, or or has their puts in their two cents of where it should go, and keeping a tally of 
found money and how much has been given to charity and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but you also, I also saw a picture as well about a gratitude rock that you, you have in your car and you keep in your car. Um, and I guess kind of like with that meditation that you do each morning, which I myself have found so much benefit from, but talk me through why you've decided to, to have a gratitude rock. Um, it came about because of, um, a book or a movie called The Secret, um, which I'm sure lots of your listeners know about, but, um, I won't get into that, but there's, they, they explained what a gratitude rock is, um, in that. And it's nothing to do with the rock itself. It's just, that's the, the materialistic part of it to, you know, keep your mind on, um, being grateful. So one day a few years back we were um, on a weekend away um, I actually can't even remember where it was but one of my boys found a couple of rocks and they were shiny and um, they were quite nice and they both picked them up and played with them and one got lost as they tend to do and one stayed in my car and when my youngest started kinder um, I was dropping him off um, occasionally and for some reason he said can I I want to hold the rock it makes me feel um, special and it makes me feel comforted and well, he didn't use those words but that's how I took it um, and so I gave him his rock and when he would leave I'd say leave it in my car so that you don't lose it and next time you can have this rock and he'd hand it back to me it'd be nice and warm and when he'd hand it back to me it would just give me this overwhelming f- sense of you know that's his warmth on this rock and it just became quite um, a really important rock to me so and then all of a sudden in my mind I was like oh hold on this is a a rock and there's gratitude rocks so why not just it's now my gratitude rock so going back to earlier in our conversation um about always working on things it's not just about listening to one podcast or and that's going to set you for the year um i have this gratitude rock so that when i'm driving along i it's in my car so and i'm in my car quite regularly i look down at it and it just stops me in my tracks not driving of course but just stops me and makes me, just gives me that alert as to what I'm grateful for in my life and in my day. So, um, you know, some people put an hourly chime on their phone so that it chimes and each hour they have to think of something that they're grateful for. Whatever works for you, this tends to work for me and it's got a sentimental value to it now. Oh, that's beautiful, mate. It really is. But, um, Will, I have one final question for you and it, it is one that I – ask all my guests, and I'm sure it's one that you were, were expecting here, but if you could, please describe your perfect day for me. Sure. Um, yes, I was ready for this. Um, now all my ideas have gone out the door. So basically I would wake up um, earlier than everyone in my family, which I tend to do anyway, and I would do probably 20 to half an hour, 20 minutes to half an hour of meditation. Um, I do something called CrossFit um, pretty much every day. So I would go and do a, a CrossFit session and then when I come back at about seven in the morning, the boys are well and truly up and I would um, have breakfast with them and my wife um, and we would not have any plans for the day. That Those days tend to be the best ones in our household where there's no plans and we just do what we feel um, and that would probably be going down to one of the many beaches around here and um, it being one of my days off, hopefully, it would be very quiet and we would just run around and have heaps of fun and then we would drive somewhere so the boys can have a sleep in the car and I could have probably an hour talking to my wife 
And then I would say sometime in the afternoon we would personally, I'd probably sit down and watch some sort of sport, cricket or footy. Um, and then at night I would uh, we'd go out for an early dinner, probably go down and grab a pizza or something, something pretty casual, um, come home and read the boys a book and put them to sleep and then probably read a book myself. Um, that would be my day. Oh, sounds lovely, mate. It really yeah. does. And, it's, yeah. and it, it's really surprising. I've said this before that so many of the responses, oh, I shouldn't say so many, all of the responses that I get to this question are all so simple and they're yeah. all so achievable. And, and it's, it really is the reason why I asked the question, just to highlight that, that that perfect day that we really want deep down is so achievable, except I feel that we're all rushing around, busy, working crazy long hours to achieve something that deep down we don't really want. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that is, that's really lovely, mate. It really is. And, Will, I just want to say thanks again for for coming on the podcast and sharing that story. And I, I know that a personal story that is surrounded by tra tragedy is quite difficult to, to talk about, but I'm so stoked about the beautiful corner that you've turned and, and the life that you have with your family and, and the positiveness and the optimism that you really do shine on the world. Um, and I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, just to put it right back at you, I, uh, I, I was put onto your podcast um, by your brother-in-law and I've listened to, as I said, most of them and what you're doing um, is outstanding and your, your story itself and everyone else's that you've had on here have helped me um, in my life and I've taken bits and pieces of everyone's story and trying to add it to my, to my life. So thank you for um, everything you've done. Now, thank you very much for that, mate. It's um, very, very kind of you. And, and for the reasons that I do it, I, I yeah, thank you. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but, mate, if people do want to reach out to you and, and follow your journey, or, or probably more importantly, if they're going through some things in their own life and they might just probably want a sounding board, what's yeah. the best way for them to do that? Um, any any way, um, shape or form, I'm happy to talk to anyone about anything, to be honest. I, um, I, my Hotmail address is just willainsworth at hotmail.com. My Facebook is, um, or my Instagram is just willainsworth. And is it okay if I give my mobile number? Are you okay with that? It's, it's up to you, buddy. Yeah, I, well, I'm a real estate agent, so you can find it anywhere. So it's... um. Zero four three eight two double nine double zero one, and honestly, whether it's a text or a phone call, I'm happy to hear from anyone. Mate, thanks heaps, and I will make sure that all those are in the show notes, um, along with some other bits and pieces that we've spoken about. But again, Will, thank you very much, and for everybody listening, thank you. And until next time, have fun and live immediately.
that was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.